Clerics are the masters of divine magic, versatile enough to fill any role on the battlefield with access to countless spells and holy blessings. Wizards are the masters of arcane magic, powerful spellcasters with the widest range of spells, including the most useful of utility spells and the most devastating damage spells that can basically delete your enemies from existence. You put them together and you get a versatile magical powerhouse with access to practically every form of magic players can get in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. So if becoming a holy wizard in your next campaign is important to you, you should stick around for today's video. So why would anyone want to play this multi-class? Well, with full access to both class spell lists and divine spells and arcane spells, these mages essentially have about 90% of the game's spells at their fingertips. No other dual class character gets you as much access to additional spellcasting options. Clerics also sneakily gain quite a bit of resilience that the wizard typically lacks, and the wizard class gains the powerful mid-level damage spells that usually leave the cleric let's say, lacking in raw spell DPS. Wizards are often stuck in either just their robes or light armor, while cleric levels give us medium armor or even heavy armor. And even just as a level dip, giving a wizard access to cure wounds and heavy or medium armor is worth considering. Beyond that, both classes are considered full casters for the purposes of our multi-class character. We aren't arcane tricksters or a magic initiate getting a touch of spellcasting in our martial character. This means that while our spell level progression can be slowed with multiclassing, our spell slot progression still goes full steam ahead regardless of our level investment. So while we still dip on reaching higher level spells, those higher slots will mean we can still be casting full value fireballs with the absolute best of them. The main downside here is that our multiclass wizard needs both wisdom and intelligence. To make this build work, we're going to have to maximize the two mental ability scores, which means we're going to be pretty darn wimpy on the physical scores. We also get tripped up when it comes to holy symbols versus arcane focus. The rulings get pretty complicated, but unless we take the warcaster feat, we're essentially stuck using an arcane focus in one hand while keeping the other hand empty for somatic components. A single class character will usually have stronger abilities but fewer options than a dual class character. And as with every other multi-class character, you give up on late-game class features like their 20th level capstones and 9th level spells by multi-classing, and you reach the mid-tier features far later. But when does a cleric wizard actually start to kick in? There aren't any specific features we're looking to synergize except for a couple of the weird builds, but you'll feel the difference as early as 2nd level with only a single level in each class. However, we get our wizard archetype with two levels, so we'll feel most of the way kicked in at third level with one level in cleric and two levels in wizard. We've got a few key features every build is going to care about, and then a few that only the wackier builds are going to want, but everything here is something you should at least pay attention to. Starting with the significant cleric features, we have armor proficiencies. Base cleric gets medium armor proficiency as part of their core proficiencies, but we can also get heavy armor depending on the divine domain that we select. And depending on the domain, we can also pick up some additional proficiencies like tools. And extra proficiencies are always nice to have. And then we have spellcasting. Clerics are a full prepared spellcasting class. This means you have access to the full cleric spell list. You just have to pick which spells you prepare each day. Clerics have a couple of really good damage spells, but you'll likely get the most value out of your utility, buffing, and healing spells such as cure wounds and healing wounds. And then with channel divinity, clerics get a special divine resource in their uses of channel divinity. You first gain this feature with your second cleric level, and you get one of these uses of channel divinity every short or long rest, and more uses at your sixth cleric level. The base use of your channel divinity is turn undead, which is unsurprisingly only useful if you're running into undead monsters. 
All the cleric archetypes, however, provide us with much more interesting uses of our channel divinity power that can potentially give us extra damage output. Tasha's also gave us another base use of our channel divinity power called Harness the Divine Power that lets us spend it to regain a lost spell slot. Mind you, you can only do this once per long rest to stop us from farming spell slots, but you can do it more often at higher levels. And then moving on to Divine Domains, clerics gain their archetypes at first level, and more than most classes, you'll be getting most of your unique magical abilities and class features from your archetype. Most start out providing some additional proficiencies like skill proficiencies or tool proficiencies or martial weapons proficiency, along with a unique ability. In particular, we really care about the domains that give us heavy armor proficiency, including Forge, Life, Nature, Order, Tempest, and War. And now swiftly moving on to wizard features that we care about, we have, of course, spellcasting. Wizards are first and foremost spellcasters, and they have access to powerful damage spells and useful utility spells across every spell level. And then we have a somewhat underplayed ability unique to wizards, Arcane Recovery. Once per short rest, you can regain some expended spell slots. Sadly, this is based on your wizard levels, so as a multiclass we won't regain nearly as many, but it is still nice to have for some emergency utility or extra damage output. And then with Arcane Traditions, wizards pick up their archetype at second level, with most options providing a unique ability alongside a specialization in a specific spell school. There are a lot of offensive options, tactical options, and utility options to go around here, but just know for now that your Arcane Tradition matters for the build. Moving on to ability scores, every multi-class character has to deal with a bit more than a single class character when it comes to ability score increases. We've got two mental scores to worry about, Wisdom and Intelligence, that should get most of our ability score increases, with Wisdom powering our Cleric features and Intelligence powering our Wizard features. For some of our builds, we're going with essentially an even split, and we'll want to use our ability score increases to maximize both scores. For a few builds, however, we're only going to be dipping into Cleric, so we only need to meet the minimum requirement of 13 Wisdom. Beyond that, we want our Tertiary score to be Constitution to help offset our otherwise flimsy hit points. We aren't using weapons, and we're using heavy armor for our AC, so Strength, Dexterity, and Charisma are all largely irrelevant to us, and we can use them as dump stats. When it comes to equipment, we're going full spellcaster mode here, but thanks to our cleric levels, we get heavy armor proficiency and should put on the best heavy armor we have access to. Note that the strength requirement on heavy armors doesn't stop us from wearing it, our movement speed is simply reduced by 10 feet if we don't meet the strength requirement, which can be more of a hindrance for some rather than others. As a caster, we don't need to be terribly fast, and we can wallow our tanky butt around to be a bit slower if it means high AC. If that doesn't work for you, medium armor is still an option, but I definitely take the speed reduction if plate armor is available. Now, unfortunately, we must deal with our spellcasting focus. To cast our wizard spells, we need to use an arcane focus, and to cast our cleric spells, we need to use a holy symbol. Of course, there's some awkward rulings, wordings, and niche rules at play here, like with anything in D&D, but we're going to try and dig through all that minutiae. To effectively cast all of our spells, we need to have our arcane focus in one hand, keep the other hand empty for somatic components, and then wear our holy symbol or otherwise have it displayed on us somehow. This will remain your setup until you get your first feat, more on that in just a second, which should be Warcaster. Warcaster, among other things, lets us perform somatic components even when our hands are full, which will let us fill that empty hand with a handy shield for some extra protection. As for weapons, we'll have access to simple weapons no matter what, and also access to martial weapons depending on our cleric domain. I don't recommend trying to use this build to create a battle-ready, intelligence-based, frontline character with martial weapons, but like with anything in D&D, you can kind of do whatever you want. In our Monk Rogue video, we discussed how that multiclass has a little bit of wiggle room to select some feats, but what about the cleric wizard? 
the short answer here is that for practically any cleric and wizard multiclass build, you should strongly consider taking the Warcaster feat. Warcaster should be familiar to most players who've messed around with the spellcasting classes, and it has three major components. All of this is already a fantastic buff and tactical option for us, but we especially care about the somatic components here. We won't be stuck keeping a hand empty and can use it on a shield instead. It's a solid force multiplier to keep our level of spellcasting, and even if we're trying to not get into melee combat all that much, it's definitely worth in place of extra ability score increases, at least in my opinion. Now because we are dealing with a more complicated multiclass, we do have some frequently asked questions I want to go over really quick, and number one being, should I start with cleric or wizard? You'll gain all the important skill proficiencies and tool proficiencies no matter what but you should still start with your first class level as a wizard for a rather strange reason. Spellbooks are expensive in the early game, and by starting out as a wizard, you just get yours for free. If you start out as a cleric, you'll need to cough up 50 gold pieces for your spellbook, and depending on the campaign, that can be a little bit prohibitive. If money isn't an issue, then feel free to start as either, since their core proficiencies are very similar. But if your DM is more of a stickler about currency and all that kind of stuff, yeah, start wizard. Next question, how does multi-class spellcasting work? Good question, because it's a little messy. The easy part is the spells you know. Your known and prepared spells don't mix whatsoever. If you're a third level wizard and a fourth level cleric, you'll have all the spells of a third level wizard and a fourth level cleric. The spell slots are the confusing bit. In the back of the basic rules, you can find a table called multi-class spellcaster that shows you your pool of spell slots by your combined levels and spellcasting classes. Thankfully, both cleric and wizard are full spellcasters, so you don't have to recalculate anything, and your effective level of spellcasting is just your character level. Essentially, you'll have the same amount of spell slots as if you were fully leveling up in either class. We just take a roundabout route in order to get there. When it comes to actually casting your spells, you're going to have to keep track of your spell attack modifiers, attack damage, and the spell DCs of each class. Your cleric spells will all run off your wisdom, and your wizard spells will all run off of your intelligence. Finally, you need an arcane focus, an orb, staff, or whatever magical thing best fits your worldview, in your hand to cast your wizard spells. The cleric spells are a bit easier. You need a holy symbol, literally anything that just represents your god but you can thankfully just be wearing and displaying it as opposed to holding it. You do need to keep a hand completely empty though to perform the somatic components of spells due to some wonky rulings about spell focus, but thankfully it can be the same empty hand for both your cleric and wizard spells. Now let's get into some multi-class builds here. Any build of this multi-class has access to a whole host of magical options, but there are a few fun synergies we are trying to strive for here. But first, I want to quickly go over some honorable mentions. I couldn't find any specific synergies with the following archetypes, but there are a few you should keep your eye on for value or extra skill proficiency alone. First we have Chronergy Magic. The second level Chronal Shift from the Chronergy Magic Wizard allows you to force a reroll for any attack roll, ability check, or saving throw twice per long rest. Chronergy Wizard is a powerful anti-crit tech that can justify the level dip all on its own as a tactical option. And as a nice little perk, a Chronergy Wizard gets to add their intelligence modifier to initiative rolls. With the Arcana Domain, this gets a full extra skill proficiency and two bonus wizard cantrips instead of heavy armor proficiency. The extra non-combat options, and particularly the cantrip, make this a tempting option over wizard as a single class. Being stuck with medium armor ensured this was stuck as only an honorable mention, but with having extra proficiencies, bonus cantrips, and some of the better utility options always prepared as your cleric spells, this can be potentially worth the single level dip. 
And then we have the War Domain, the go-to cleric offensive option, but only really useful for this build if you want to stretch it into martial options. You get to add your intelligence to initiative rolls and essentially get a free shield as a reaction, which is a great defensive buff and a tempting option. We're both an intelligence-based character and a wisdom-based character, so it's rough to try and roll up with martial weapons, but if you're shooting for intelligence-based frontline characters, this domain is a good place to start. But that's a tangled mess of other class levels, like a barbarian class level for rage, five levels of fighter gets a fighting style with an extra attack, a level of rogue gets sneak attack, a level of paladin for divine smite, a level of armorer, artificer gets you battlesmith. Unless you're interested in a monstrous, monstrous multi-class character with five classes by 10th level, I recommend leaving war domain behind, even if it seems like a tempting option. And now on to the full multi-class build, starting with the armored wizard. Starting with a simple defensive option here, we're just taking a single class level as a cleric and selecting the Forge Domain, alongside with the rest of our levels as an Abjuration Wizard as our primary class. Our goal here is to essentially just to play a normal intelligence-based character wizard, but also to make them as survivable and tanky as possible. Whenever an Abjuration Wizard casts an Abjuration spell, they also get to generate an Arcane Ward around themselves that can soak up an amount of damage equal to twice your wizard level plus your intelligence modifier. The Arcane Ward's functions are almost identical to temporary hit points, but aren't actually temporary hit points, so we can stack them using spells like False Life. False Life only uses first level slots, and together each defensive buff is a bit weenie, but together you can actually take a few hits as a wizard. If you want to go a bit further into cleric levels, I recommend also going for the second level spell, Aid. Aid also provides hit points that aren't technically temporary hit points, technically, so they can all stack up as well. What we get for our single cleric level dip is access to heavy armor and shield proficiency, as well as healing spells and a magical plus one bonus to our armor for good measure. Plate armor, a shield, and that plus one magical bonus means we can easily strut around with 21 AC, and two layers of temporary hit points, healing spells, and full access to the wizard's deadly spell arsenal. And then we have Domination Theurge. Our goal here is to firmly and confidently tell our enemies what to do and have them listen. To accomplish this, we want to start with one level of wizard, followed by two levels of order domain cleric going back for five more levels of wizard, selecting the School of Enchantment, and then four more levels of Cleric. We should have six levels in each class, after which we want to push our wizard levels up to ten in order to pick up the split enchantment. From our six levels of enchantment wizard, we get the feature Hypnotic Gaze, which we can use to charm a creature indefinitely so long as we don't damage them and maintain eye contact. We also get Instinctive Charm, which lets us divert one attack from every enemy every day to another nearby target if they fail a wisdom save. From our six levels of order domain, we get the Voice of Authority, which lets our allies make an attack as a reaction when we buff them with our spells. We also get the Channel Divinity feature, Order's Demand, that can charm a creature indefinitely until they take damage. Lastly, we get the Embodiment of Law feature that lets us cast spells from the Compulsion School using a bonus action instead of an action. So what have we accomplished here? Essentially, a fantastic buff debuff monster with multiple scores of creature control at any given time. Anything that gets even close to your face is one failed save away from being your puppet, and worst case, you can likely divert their attacks away from you using Instinctive Charm. Your buff spells are also giving your allies extra attacks due to Voice of Authority, and you can rely on them to actually finish off the targets you don't charm or hold into submission. And then we have Storm God. Our goal with this build is to cast the most devastating lightning bolts known to man by focusing on the lightning damage type and dealing automatic damage. 
to become the biggest weapon of all, we want to start with a level 1 of Wizard, followed by two levels of Tempest Domain Cleric, going back for five more levels of Wizard, selecting the Graviturgy Wizard to get up to third levels in terms of our spells, and then four more levels of Tempest Cleric. We should have six levels in each class, after which we can evenly level up either class. At 5th level Wizard, we can get access to the classic Wizard spell Lightning Bolt, along with some of our other powerful early Lightning spells like Shocking Grass for our Cantrips, Witch Bolt for our 1st level spell slot, and Dragon's Breath for our 2nd level spell slot. Our 6th Graviturgy level also gets us the feature Gravity Well. That lets us move targets of our spells by 5 feet whenever we hit them or they fail a save. From our Cleric levels, on the other hand, we get Call Lightning, which is our secondary source of Lightning Elemental damage. Wrath of the Storm, which retaliates on our attackers for 2d8 lightning damage, and the Channel Divinity feature, Destructive Wrath. Destructive Wrath is the real kicker here, as it lets us maximize the damage of a lightning or thunder spell. Maximizing a spell means you don't roll for the attack damage, and instead you simply deal automatic damage of whatever the highest possible die result could be. And finally, at 6th level, we get Thunderbolt Strike, which lets us move enemies 10 feet away whenever we deal lightning damage to them. Putting this all together at our 12th effective level, we'll have access to 6 level spell slots for a huge pile of damage. Putting this all together at our 12th effective level, we'll have access to 6 level spell slots for huge piles of damage. If we cast a 6 level lightning bolt and use destructive wrath to maximize it, we get to launch in a 100 foot line of 70 flat damage, assuming you have plus 4 intelligence, that also moves each target that fails up to 15 feet back. We'll be able to fire 2 of these maximized bolts per short rest. That's essentially a flat 140 damage per combat multiplied by however many targets you can line up. Past those, we won't have as many high-level spells, but we can still use all of our extra spell slots on elemental damage spells that can bounce our enemies around and into hazards. I have one player at my table that basically only plays full spellcasters, and the Wizard Cleric multiclass is easily his favorite build. I've seen some very interesting characters with this multiclass, and... Part of that is due to his own creativity and the extra flavor that he puts on all of these people, but holy wizard, everybody, if you can't do anything with that idea, I don't know that I can help you. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new videos like this every week, and if you or someone at your table is building a multi-class wizard cleric character, I would love to hear about them down in the comments. Thanks again for watching. My name is Patrick Ferguson from Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell.